The first lesson comes to us from Psalm 16. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And our epistle lesson this morning comes to us from Galatians 5, verses 1 and 13 through 25. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love become enslaved to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by that spirit. I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh, for what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit... You are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immortality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, emnites, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God by contrast. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts 
be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The letter to the Galatians is about acting in love, making the right choices, and staying on the right path. Now, now we know the Galatians, like the Corinthians, have received the gospel from Paul, but both groups, both groups have gone astray, and Paul quips in his surprise how quickly that has taken place, how quickly they have fallen off the path. In chapter 2, he even lifts up that how quickly Peter has veered off course. The reason was that there's a group of Judaizers that have infiltrated the leadership of of the new church and said that you've got to adhere to the laws of Moses. You had to live by the law, not by grace. Paul was showing, was teaching, that living by grace will promote true spirituality. And I tell you why this is important, because these false teachers, they didn't like Paul's message. They did not like Paul's message because they thought, well, grace, if grace, if you preach it, will be misunderstood unless you put it in the parameters of a law. It could lead people to lawlessness, to lewdness, no restraint. So you need the law. So you need to be Jewish or at the very least to be circumcised, to follow the laws of Moses, eat correctly, practice the purity laws, only eat the right things. It's the classic heresy. It's a heresy. Jesus plus something else. Jesus plus something else. Love your neighbor and you must be circumcised. Love your enemy, but the... And you fill in the blank. Well, Paul will share his belief that the law only commands. Only commands. It, It doesn't enable. It doesn't help. Grace will do in the person and through the person what the law could never do. So Paul lays out the path in which we are to walk. In a sense, Paul is instructing us on, and the word is called melita, melita, or holy living, sweet living. The gospel of grace leads us to living a life in Melita. The gospel of grace will will make you a rebel. Yes, yes. When you love your neighbor, you are a rebel. A rebel. Uh, It'll make you a faithful disciple. The great gospel of grace will make you free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. It's a wonderful sentence conveying a few short words, not only a gospel claim, but, but that Christ has set us free. It's a missional cause. It's an action word. That our lives and our actions are to reveal that freedom, to reveal that love of 
all of humankind. What does such freedom look like? The, the idea that freedom means the absence of encumbrances may be popular, but it does not hold any weight. Freedom is not the absence of entanglements. Entanglements are, are, the, are the means by which freedom becomes meaningful. Freedom, freedom is not separation from relationships. Freedom is not separation from relationships. It's a feature of relationships that becomes especially apparent as a result of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul instructs us that, that, that Christian relationships ought to be shaped by neighborly love. Neighborly love. Neighborly love is emphasized in, in the Bible. In Leviticus 19, reiterated by Jesus in all four Gospels. Luke 10, 28, Mark 12, 31, Matthew 22, 35, and John 13, 34. Love of your neighbor is the imperative. It's interesting that Paul does not turn to the cross to describe this love, this neighborly love. See, he uses the word agape. He uses the word agape, not a self-sacrificing love. If, if anything, Paul's vision of neighborly love recognizes that people not only, not only do, but ought to value themselves who would not want someone else to bite or devour them. You wouldn't want it done to yourself, so don't do it to them. In the face of tradition, this has sometimes pushed Christians to think of neighbor love as self-sacrifice. Paul's emphasis on equality, well, where it becomes slaves to one another and reciprocity. If you bite one another and devour one another, it highlights the significance of the yourself part of the clause that sits on the back end of the golden rule. If it's not that we discern that God has done on our behalf and then love our neighbors in response, rather discerning what God has done in Christ and what Christ has done for us shapes the way we love our neighbors. And loving our neighbors helps us see what God has done in us. A dear friend of mine, a dear friend of mine and colleague when I worked at Sunoco fought a courageous battle for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He was courageous. For three years, he battled. He worked, we worked together, he and I, worked together for 25 years. And his office was right next to mine those 25 years, or at least in very close proximity of Tamine. He, he, could, he, could he could be pretty cantankerous at times. He was a cantankerous Texan. He was. All my exes live in Texas was his theme song. But with, with his sickness, with his sickness, he became quite mellow. He became quite mellow. He sat in my office one morning as his hair was starting to fall out 
And he sat in my office one morning and he asked in his Texas drawl, have you ever heard that new song by that new artist called, by, by Tim McGraw, Live Like You're Dying? I hadn't. I hadn't, so he began singing it to me. As he would be in his custom, he would sing the songs to me, entertain my kids for a lifetime. I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, and I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness. I'd been denying. He said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you're dying. Don explained to me that all the years that he had been reflecting on over these times now that he's been sick, and he knew that his time was coming to an end, he wished that he had loved deeper, that he had spoken sweeter, that he had given forgiveness a lot quicker. And he looked at me and he said, don't look back and have the same regrets as I've had. And Dad, don't hold back on love. Don't hold back on love. Do you understand what I'm telling you? You need to give it and you need to spread it so that that love will grow. You plant love. He had always thought that I'd missed my calling by not going into the ministry. And I would go into the ministry a few years later. He claimed that I was not listening to God and not fulfilling my potential. He added, he added, I have so much love. I said, sure. I said, yes, yes, there are so many people around you here at work and at your church who love you and are grateful for you. He said, that may be, that may be, but... But what I mean is that there are so many whom I've loved. I have so much gratitude for the love that God has enabled me to give away. We were quiet for a few moments. He said, you know, this cancer has given me the freedom, the freedom to see in a new way how much love there has been and there exists and how much love there will be. You see, friends, love is meant to be given away. Two weeks later, I would do his eulogy. Today, I reflect on his words and realize what Paul was trying to say. It was Paul was trying to teach that the counterpoint to life in the flesh is a life of loving a service for the benefit of others. 
It's faith working through love. Love is the way that freedom in Christ expresses itself. Indeed, freedom, Christ makes radical loving service possible, which fulfills the will of God for human relationships. My friends, my friends, I encourage you to live life like you're dying. Love deeper. Love more. And give your love away. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.